Last time on Montreal Sauce. One person plays as a runner, a hacker, basically, and the other plays as an evil megacorp, a gigantic uh, monolithic corporation <laughs> who does the most heinous <laughs> Yeah, this is true. Actually, um, to switch gears a little bit and talk story, I, I think uh, what we need to do is also a little bit of copyright infringement and just say, <laughs> Tony, this is your life. So <laughs> I have a, a voice, a blast from the past. Actually, oh, you've never God. heard this voice, so it's not very helpful. But uh, I have someone who really wants to say hello to you. Oh, my God. Hi, Tone Deaf. It's Colette Sobeck and Eferu. Way back from PMOG. Did you? Yes. I can't make out the username. Who was it? Sobek Neferu, a former seer. Oh, Oh my God. She was my seer rival. I married her. (laughs) No, you didn't. Are you kidding me? That is why I'm in Canada. Oh, my God. You guys. Yeah, we had, our relationships all started because of PMOG. Oh, oh my God, my heart just broke and melted and it's all over the floor now. Oh my God. I'm so I just thought I'd say hi. Oh, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> really well, thanks. Good, good. Oh, that makes me feel so good. I'm so happy for you too. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Well, I'll let you get back to your regular scheduled program now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you like had actually recorded it and you're like, oh my God, who's this? Like... I didn't realize that she was actually there. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember when she passed me and the number of portals that she put down. I was, like, furious. Oh, I was so angry about it. <laughs> oh. Yes, that's true. We we often sit around the house and talk about the day when we took over the leaderboard. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I was never really – my heart was never really in the game. It was really more, like, in the community, I think. Um I liked. I mostly trolled with portals, but it was it was fun. It was still fun. Yeah. Well, obviously, the community was a big part of sick for sick and I as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I'd say hello. I kind of snuck in just to say hi. Uh, so. I'm so glad you did. It's so good to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. You too. Well, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to ask you too because I uh, when we were talking about. Um, games and uh, iOS uh, games and gadgets uh I remember like uh learning that you used to just switch out your sim card and you were sort of uh on both sides you were wearing both hats you were oh, switching yeah, your I sim card am. into an Android and an iPhone Yeah I still am bouncing back and forth um this might be the first time in like a jillion years that I keep a phone I just don't get a new phone this year um I love my Moto X. It's the perfect size. I love the hardware. Um, I customized it so it feels personal. Um, it's the colors the you know that I would want my dream phone to be. Um, <laughs> it's just a great phone, and it's like phones are just getting too big, and I have tiny hands. So I'm ha- happy with it. I think I'm going to stick with my Moto X. I might send it in to get a battery uh, replacement, just because it's not really holding a charge like it used to. Um, it has a few scratches, but I don't know. It gives it character. Um, I think I might be settled down. Uh, but yeah, I, I've had two iPhones, three, four Android phones. Um, I almost alternated every year for a while, but it just got a little ridiculous. 
<laughs> yeah, even even with just Android for me, it gets a little ridiculous when you uh, start playing with different ROMs like once a week or something. Yeah, I was I remember I had the G one back in the like whenever that was. Oh was, yeah. Um, I was so excited. My boyfriend at the time had an iPhone, and I was like, that seems okay, but you can't like install apps on it. Um, so then I, you know, <laughs> I got the, uh, oh, before that, actually, I had a jailbroken iPod Touch. So I guess I started out on iOS um, before it was called iOS. Yeah. And yeah, so I was installing, I was using Shazam like back in 2007. It was really like cutting edge. Um, but yeah, so I've been back and forth. But the G1 was a cool phone. The hardware was beautiful, I thought. I still think it is. Uh, the battery lasted like, I mean, it was six hours. It was really bad. Um, but yeah, we've come a long way, I guess. I was actually thinking about you, uh, a while ago cause I had read a story. Um, I thought that, the um, some company or someone had bought the rights to a previous company's technology, but it was, what was that little, um, internet appliance that you had? Oh, the, um, Chumby. Chumby. Yeah. Is that the I'd- one? Yeah, I thought I I just read that they were coming back. They are, I think. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I think they're like providing software for smart picture frames or apps or something. Um, I mean, I loved it. It was like my favorite tech product. It it was such such a – it was something new, you know? It was like a new category of electronic device that you literally would just like – it's really the forerunner to the tablet. It was a pillow. You would curl up with it in bed, and it would just have like widgets on it basically. Um, I had one, I bought one for my grandmother and I could write messages on it and it would show up automatically on hers. Um, but she couldn't really hear very well on the phone, but it was just like, you know, it was just a cute way to keep in touch. And I could, if I tagged her in pictures on Facebook, they would just start showing up on hers. Um, and it was right next to her chair. So it was like, I don't know, it was a very human gadget, I thought. And it was just a really nice idea. I still think there's something to be said for, I mean, nothing really fills that space now. There's nothing like always on providing ambient information like that. Um, Smartwatches could be, I guess, eventually, but not until battery life makes it so the screen can always be on. But um, yeah, the Chumbi, I loved that. It was a great device, I thought. Um, It's a shame the company is having so much trouble, but yeah. Yeah, um speaking of your grandmother, I remember reading about her um in like one of your gorgeous posts about uh your cat Newman. That was like a really oh. touching blog. Thanks for sharing that. Oh god, I'm so like torn up over it. Um but that was another that was I made that webpage by hand too. I was out of like out of town. Like my cat was diagnosed with like 10 million things while I was out of town on a business trip um and i wouldn't be able to be with him for like five days i knew that the day i got home i would have to put him down so i was it was like i needed some way to cope with it so i just kind of like gathered my memories just put him you know put him on paper or put him on the internet um like whipped up a quick web page um and just posted it and people's responses were so so nice like i don't know i didn't want to be come across as like corny or like it really was just a like, personal coping thing, mostly. Um, but thank you. That's very kind of you to say. And the responses, the responses were very sweet. Um, it was really helpful in uh, getting me through those hard times. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I think I even responded when you posted it, but I just, uh, when I was doing my due diligence of, uh, research and I was like, oh yeah, that was such a great page and such a good story. Oh. Um, so thank you. Oh, um, thanks for reading it. But, uh, <clears throat> we have been recording for a while, but, uh, normally yeah. when, when we get to a spot, if you still have some time, um, for whatever reason possesses me, perhaps just not doing more work during the day, <laughs> I, uh, I like to make up a little quiz to ask our guest and Paul to, uh, to do. So I have a quiz prepared if the two of you are game. I Let's am go. game. All right. So I decided since uh, Tony really likes games, um, I would try to give him the edge over Paul by talking about games. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's not much of an edge because... I know. It sounds like we're an even match. It's games from my past, and uh, I'm older than both of you. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, we're taking a trip down <laughs> memory lane for Chris. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about games from my totally rad Commodore 64. Perfect. Awesome. So, Tony, a year prior to the Carmen San Diego teaching kids geography game, there was another game released by Scholastic called Agent USA. What did the playable character look like in the game? A, well, it was the 80s, so obviously it was a rectangular cursor. Um, B, <laughs> an eagle because, hey, Agent USA. C, a white hat with only a pair of legs underneath, or D, an 8-bit tuxedo? I'm going to say the hat, C. You are correct, sir. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was uh, a little – I used to have this game, and it was just a hat with little pink legs underneath. It was awesome. Oh my God. And all the other characters in the game were a black hat with pink legs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, yes. Agent USA was an early game with uh, sound effects just on events, but little else for mood. Um, however, when you rode the train from city to city in the game, it played the beginning riff to a famous song. What was it? A, Hey Bulldog by the Beatles. <laughs> B, The Locomotion from Little Eva. C, Boxcar Blues by Boxcar Willie. Or D, going back to Georgia by Nancy Griffith. Oh boy! For whatever reason, I just want to say the locomotion. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It was the Beatles song. Oh, what? How do they get the rights to that? I don't think they did. <laughs> I think it was like Uh-oh. the beginning riff. You know, like they just did right. the number of notes before. <laughs> <laughs> a quick copyright fact. A judge has ruled that even one note can be infringing. No wow. kidding. Isn't that so stupid? <laughs> That's yeah. insane. But okay, yeah, let's keep going. It's a tough way to play name my name that tune as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tony, two of my favorite games on the Commodore 64 were made by Lucasfilm Games, which later became LucasArts. Uh, to aid in the development of these games, Lucasfilm created its own game engine slash language with a sort of unfortunate name. What was it called? <laughs> a, Scum. B, Poster. C, Spank. 
or D, grope? It was called scum. That is correct. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. I knew that one, too. Whoa. Step it up, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even need to tell you guys what it's made, what it's what it stands for, do I, then? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't remember what it stands for. Ah, it's a scripting creation utility for Maniac Mansion. Mm. (laughs) Interestingly enough, according like the the guys who were designers, like uh, according to Wikipedia, like the engine which held other engines, like to play sounds and stuff. Some of those other engines were called like Insane, Cyst, Phlegm, and Mucus. (laughs) (laughs) So, Paul, speaking of Maniac Mansion. In the game, the villain has captured your beloved cheerleader girlfriend. Who mm-hmm. is this mad scientist villain? A. Professor, wait for it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> B. The fiendish Dr. Galacto. C. A tentacle. Ah, yes, you know, tentacle porn. Sure. Um, D. Dr. Fred. Again, I have no idea. And I feel like it's a trick question, and I should go with Professor Paul. <laughs> Why do you always fall for my fiendish plots? No, it was <laughs> Dr. Fred. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll do one more round. Okay, Tony. I do have more. I have like three more, I think. Tony, you do actually meet a tentacle in the Maniac Mansion game, <laughs> but he, he's not a bad yeah, guy. Oh. Yes. Go ahead. He's not a bad guy. In fact, he needs your help. What does he entrust you with in the game? A, his lucky darts. He wants you to get them sharpened in the lab. B, his demo tape because he wants a record contract. C, a picture of the octopus he's been severed from. Or D, his completed Columbia House Record Club flyer to fill in, to fly into the mail. (laughs) Wait, what was A? Uh, His lucky darts. I think it's A. No, it's actually ah, B. No way. He wanted he wants you to get his demo tape to someone so he can get a record contract. Is that Day of the Tentacle? That was like the prequel or something like that. Okay, okay. So yeah, it was like a callback to yeah, Day of the Tentacle. Um <laughs> Paul. Yes. What is the evil plot hatched by the aliens in Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, another Lucasfilm game? A, it's a telephony caper. The aliens control the phone company and use it to make people dumber. B, it's <laughs> classical alien abduction. They rewrite the minds of anyone who enters the mall. C, it's a subliminal message in the tentacles music because now he's a star. <laughs> or, or D, tube socks. Somehow Zach and his friends have to figure out how aliens are using tube socks to control people. I like that tube sock one. For me, it's between B and D. And I can't decide. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with D. Oh, I'm sorry. You're still wrong. <laughs> you Would have I have no been points. right if I had gone with B? No, it was the telephone. It was the telephone. Yep. Years before Jeff Goldblum figured it out on Independence Day, there's a signal (laughs) hidden. So, okay, Tony's winning, but here we go. Tony, even in my youth, there were piracy issues in video games. So for the Commodore 64 Lucasfilm 
Games had a new idea to curb pirates with Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. What was it? A. Despite more content than Maniac Mansion, they decided to offer it at a lower price to stop thievery. B. You had to call a 1-800 number to activate the game like Windows has been doing for a couple years. <laughs> C. Even though the game was on multiple floppies, it came with a cartridge that acted as a dongle to play the game. Or D. Codes for events that happened during the gameplay were printed on a deep red paper stock to stop photocopies. Uh, I want to say D. I vote for whatever says dongle. <laughs> <laughs> no, t- Tony's right. It was actually D. Every uh, wow. every time I every time I played that game and I had to fly somewhere in the video game, you had to enter this like archaic code that wasn't letters and numbers. It was actual shapes that they had printed on this deep red piece of paper in black ink. <laughs> I a lot of those games in the nineties also had like they came with like cardboard wheels you had to spin to get like certain. Oh get yeah, certain, like uh, Lucas or Sierra did it too. I think. Yeah, I totally yep. remember that. Yep. Okay, Paul, let's see if you can get one. I just I just want one just so that All it's, right. you know, I'm on the board at least. Okay. So, Zach McCracken had a pet goldfish in the video game. What was the goldfish's name? A, Dr. Fred, B, Sushi, C, Tony, or D, Jabberjaw. Wasn't Dr. Fred uh, already an answer? Yes, he was. Hmm. Don't don't fall for Chris's mind games. So I shouldn't answer Tony either. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> what were the other two choices? Sushi or Jabberjaw? I'm gonna go with Jabberjaw, but it's gonna be sushi. <laughs> you are correct. It is sushi. <laughs> <laughs> You could actually uh, – <laughs> Zach McCracken and uh, Maniac Mansion were both um, adventure games where you could uh, point and click and have your character move around. But then to do actions in the game, the screen underneath the game screen had words. And so you could put together a sentence like, okay, I want to buy a plane ticket. So you have to put that sentence together. And um, one of the things you could do was you could – put sushi in the sink and then you could go over and click on turn on the garbage disposal <laughs> and then later you would get a wrench and you could open up the pipe under your sink and your, your character would go oh no shredded sushi so <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I will cease and desist there and it looks like Tony has won because he got three of them right so congratulations thank you <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah that was a sound effect they were they were into it <laughs> that was uh yeah so i used to play those games like all the time awesome uh, on floppy <laughs> love it True, true like, floppies as well right five and a quarter floppies none of this newfangled yeah. three and a half inch crap no discats from here yeah no no yep you're right total floppies uh oh guys it looks like my fiance just came in with pizza so i might have to hit it <laughs> <laughs> 
That is no problem. Thank no you problem once again for joining us and giving us so a lecture on uh, on copyright law. That was excellent. I'm sorry it wasn't terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, thank you again for having me on. And uh, it was nice meeting you listeners. I know you're out there. so Yeah. Where should people find you if they go to oh. uh, look you up online? Uh, they can find everything. Like, oh, gosh, this is hard. Um, <laughs> Twitter. Do Twitter. It's at T-O-N-E underscore D-E-F, tone deaf. It was in the tweet from earlier. And there's links to everything else there, including my really cool uh, URL hack personal website that's just my name with a couple periods in it. So, um Perfect. Okay. Find awesome. Me on Twitter. Follow me. Um, I post all kinds of great shit about Gamergate. Uh, you'll love it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you guys again. Yeah. Uh, thanks so we'll much. Talk to you soon. All right. We'll see awesome. ya. Thanks. See ya, Tony. Wow. I learned a lot. Yeah, that was excellent. Yeah, I um. I expected to ask like my sort of uh my sort of uh ignorant questions about copyright like hey can I use this song on <laughs> <laughs> in my reel yeah. but uh I already know most of those answers so it was good to kind of get the history of copyright and uh I liked how he applied it to the game situation Yes that was uh that was very good I'd love to have him back. I don't know. I don't know how if he knows additional stuff about uh, patent law because obviously there's differences between copyright law, trademark law, and patent law, and they're kind of all under this umbrella of intellectual property law. Uh, but they all have slightly different rules, different regulations, different governing bodies, and um, I'm I am pretty interested in. Um, like software patents and things like that, because we're we're actually in the very recently they're starting to uh, overturn a lot of software patents, just reject things that are things under the guise of basically something that you could do in real life without a computer, but now you're using the internet or you're using a computer to help you do it is something that um, a lot of courts are starting to strike down as not valid patents anymore. Um, so things like the Amazon classically has the software patent for, um, like one click shopping and, um, there, I, I'm not sure if that one's already been stricken down or not. I should look that up, but, um, that's the kind of patent that would be in, in dispute because it's like that you're not, you're not really doing anything that somebody couldn't just do in real life. Like no, nobody invents shopping or buying things. That is just a concept that already exists. So, um, there's lots of interesting, uh, stuff happening in that space. And I'd wonder what his thoughts are on that too. Yeah. It's like I said, we just, we can't keep up with it these days. There's so much going on. Yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, that's that's a big part of what the judicial system is for, right? Is to take take laws that obviously you can't write a law that can predict the future and know how it could be applied um, down the road. And so part of the burden of the judici- judicial system or responsibility, I guess, of the judi- judicial system is to take these laws and figure out how they can apply in an ever-changing world and... 
uh, as that goes on, it, like you talked about, um, in some cases setting precedents for how things should get interpreted going forward. And a lot of times that precedence can then um, trigger the legislative body to go back and look at, okay, is that really the the nature of the law that is that the intended nature of the law is how this uh how this judge has interpreted it and enforced it or do we need to write a new law that uh, makes an exception for things like say uh unlocking your phone when your contract is up things uh, things of that nature that um these corporations will use intellectual property law to kind of strangely protect and prohibit when really um, there are things that that you could consider rights of citizens, and and you need either the the judicial wing or you need the legislative body to kind of make make sure that the proper rights are protected and that the law is being interpreted uh, in a way that's that's consistent with <laughs> with how people are going to actually behave in real life and what we all kind of decide really is morality. I mean. To some extent, law needs to reflect uh, what what we believe is moral as a as as a lowest common denominator, and and protect ourselves from each other from the actions of others. So, yeah, it's it's often it's it's sort of the law is like an interesting thing because it is a little living, breathing entity, sort of. But um, it's what's What's great about it is it can be um, hopefully like a, a community decided uh, <laughs> outcome, you know, whether they um, request to talk to experts or people in the field or, you know, wherever they get opinions from, um, there's a better chance of that. But, you know, and when it stops working the correct way, it's, it's kind of stifled like um, I would say – you know, um, in, a, in a in a similar system in a business or an organization, like say, like a school board says, "Boom, this is what we're doing," and it's like they never consulted a teacher in a classroom that now has to deal with what you've just decided, yeah. right? Yep. And we're in the law. It, it it hopefully it doesn't always end up that way, and they get some actual input. And I think that's the problem is when. When you just accept the truth from all the corporations that are <laughs> donating generously to you and your campaign to get elected into that court, <laughs> yeah, then yeah. then you have a problem um, because you're not listening to everyone. You're just listening to this uh, one voice that's talking very loudly. Well, and as uh, as Tony was talking about, um, when you do have technology, often brings about disruption and so you see that we all remember Napster and what that um, did to the music industry and I don't say did to the music industry meaning like it caused people to get laid off and lose their jobs and it caused all these thousands millions of dollars of revenue to go away it's more right. like 
no, um, there's this new technology, there's a new way to distribute music on the internet, and actually it's an opportunity for music companies to find a new way to distribute music to people. And instead of being on board with that, like corporations are getting kind of wise to this information and technology age that that we are in now, but at the outset, obviously, they were they were kind of tone deaf to that. Haha. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and said, no, this is pirate. This is rampant piracy and we need to go. Well, if it's rampant piracy, you, there's no way that you can crush it except to give people a legitimate way to do it. That's even easier. Cause for as easy as Napster was, it would be a heck of a lot easier to have something like iTunes, right? Where you can just search for the song you're looking for and click a button to buy it. Instead of having to, you know, you download this program called Napster, you have to search for a program, and then you have to look at all the different, you know, the the ten different versions of Baby Hit Me One More Time by Britney Spears, and you don't know which one is the one that you want, and you don't know what 96 kilobits per second versus... 128 kilobits per second means and you download 10 different versions and six of them are just recorded versions off of the radio and two of them uh are uh, you know uh, <laughs> a fan singing but yeah exactly and the yeah the one that you actually keep is episode one of montreal sauce so <laughs> And then you can tri- – I remember those days. And then you contribute to the problem because now you're seeding that song to everyone. That's the wrong one. Yeah, that's the wrong one. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody else is now getting that one too. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We'll save the bad ones for the leechers. <laughs> right. They don't contribute back. <laughs> don't pirate. Oh. <laughs> peer-to-peer uh, politics. Well, and, and when you look at it um, – in a lot of ways, the the pirates won because we have much easier ways of buying music, and we have much easier ways of buying uh, movies and and TV shows, and it's getting easier all the time. We're still not at this place, I don't think. I think we're pretty close to this place with music, where now there's all these subscription services you can listen to pretty much any song you want, anytime you want most of the time even for free if you are willing to just like wait a wait a few minutes for pandora to serve the version that you like right so um it con- consumers really won and a lot of that ball started rolling because of this mass rampant piracy that sort of shook up the music industry and made them realize that their industry was going to be disrupted if they didn't do something to act and um the video film uh, TV industry is, um, I, I think right now they're not, they don't quite realize how big the problem is going to be. But as soon as the internet is truly super fast in the United States for everyone and it's easy to get really fast internet, um, video is going to have the exact same piracy problem that well, music had. What's interesting is, uh, one of the things I often like to do on Montreal Sauce, uh, I've realized it's sort of like should be just a section of the show, but um, <laughs> I'm always like plugging other podcasts because uh, I appreciate you listening to us. But uh, um, maybe you should check out some other podcast, and uh, maybe you're just supporting us because you know us personally, and I appreciate it. But yeah, anyway, um, speaking to us all, 
Paul is talking about, yeah, by the sheer, uh, <laughs> speaking of what Paul is talking about, um, I listened to recently on a walk, I was listening to the Stuff You Should Know podcast, and um, I was listening to the episode on Nielsen ratings, and they made the claim that I, I haven't like triangulated my favorite new word about looking up sources. So they made a statement on the show that the reason um, that they made a statement on the show basically um, that according to them, have I pointed that out yet? Uh, according to them, they said, you know, the TV industry is being held hostage by Nielsen ratings because what happens is um, Nielsen ratings get published and they say, you know, Big Bang Theory, you know, gets tons of tons of viewers. And <laughs> yeah. what you need to do is that means like advertisers are going to be like, we want to advertise on that show. We don't want to advertise on Montreal sauce because there's nobody watching that show. So, so what what happens is then the advertising dollars are what they make the shows with. So, um, so that's what they're saying is like the Nielsen rating system is like the only rating system that's used. And so it has this like grapple hold on TV and that's what's sort of stalling TV from mm -hmm. making its way to being on the internet somewhere or in a Netflix like situation, like a subscri subscriber situation because they can't really gauge the number of viewers that way, which is hilarious, right? Because Nielsen really literally does it with like a box on the TV and many, many, <laughs> many of the people who they get Nielsen's ratings, they still use paper and pencil. Like yeah. they keep a journal and say, yeah. this is what I watched this week. Right. Which, which everybody has always said, well, th that's what, that's what they're not ashamed to say that they watched this week. They didn't put down all of the, you know, reality TV <laughs> right. that they actually watched. Right. Yeah, possibly. Although you never know, maybe they're just writing that down, which is sad. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. I did see Survivor. Yeah. So anyway, um, I thought that was really an interesting um, minutia to the whole debate that I've never really thought of. Like, I understand yeah. that yeah. advertising plays like a huge role in uh, television um, and why we get to see the awesome shows we do but um but yeah it's it's kind of uh it's kind of just sad that like they're sort of stuck to that system because like you said they're gonna fall behind really really quick yeah they're gonna I, put themselves in sort of a music industry situation instead of responding like appropriately they're they're definitely gonna falter yeah i think they're I mean, they're obviously in a better situation than the music industry was um, because they're not com they're not completely blind to this problem, and um, there is with uh, with the film and video industry there is a lot of kind of complicated um, again intellectual property rights um, things that things that the industry itself is trying to maintain things where it's like you're the distributor is different than the producer and the distributor has certain rights the producer has certain rights the viewer has certain rights and um obviously the companies that are making these things are trying to preserve um this like 
this like business model where it's in theaters and then it's on HBO and then it comes out on you know on streaming services and then it's available and on demand and then it's available on DVD and um, they're kind of trying to maintain that that process but at the same time all of that is going to collapse at some point in the future because it's going to be like okay I saw it in the theater it was great I want to buy it on Blu-ray in a month. <laughs> as soon as it's not in the theater anymore, that's when I want to own, own it on Blu-ray, right? Or that's when I want to start streaming it. And if they're not responsive to that desire, and everybody in the United States has a 100 megabit um, internet or a gigabit internet, if Google has their way and hooks up Google Fiber everywhere, um, then people are just going to go online and find it. And and as soon as... Uh, enough people have that there's there's not there's going to be too many of them to start chasing them um as pirates as the music industry discovered like the best way to combat it at that point is to give them an easy way to buy it um so that everybody just goes ahead and you know follows their conscience and does it uh legitimately because it's way easier to just buy it on iTunes or buy the season pass or whatever than it is to go on to the Pirate Bay or, uh, you know, pick your BitTorrenting um, site of choice and uh, and sort through the stuff that's not what you want so that you can get the free copy. That's the option that you have right now. If you want to see, um, you know, the Avengers 2 Age of Ultron uh, before it comes out of the before it's done with the theater, but you don't want to go see it at the theater for a second or third time or whatever, but you want to watch it again, that's your option. Go pirate it or wait six more months for it to come out on Blu-ray. And if you've got fast enough internet, the temptation's going to be strong enough for enough people that piracy is going to be a huge problem again. Yeah, this is... it's. It's uh, it's very unfortunate. Yeah, it just it's because you cling to the old system, right? It's just it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's what we do, I guess, as a peoples. You know, we we yeah. talk about like climate change, but we don't do anything about it. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of it is they've got these ingrained business models, and they're and they're trying to preserve them. And some of it is um, as as the technology makes it more and more efficient for things to get distributed like that, that means there's actually less money in it, right? So I I do think at some point it's actually going to be harder to make these huge blockbuster movies because it will be so easy to pirate them um, unless, again, you have a really easy way to sell it at a fairly, at a very reasonable price um, and even then, I, I just don't think it will make nearly the money that it makes right now. And that's that's that is what happened to the music industry. They 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 were booming like crazy. They were selling tons of records. Even in the Napster days, they were selling tons of records because there was no way to buy it individually. And iTunes came on the market and said, "We want to sell these things, but we want to have the ability to sell individual songs." And and really, when you look at the numbers. 
the music industry has been fairly stagnant and there's a lot less there there are frankly fewer jobs there there's still plenty of music getting created it's not like the industry died um but things became so much more efficient in part because of technology that there uh, it's a smaller industry than it was and that i think that same thing is going to happen with the film industry at least in terms of people making the big blockbusters and then on the other side of that you have this amazing flourishing um maker um community um folks like you and me who are making podcasts for people to listen to and who are making video podcasts um people like CGP Grey who make these great animations that kind of explain complex things in short in short periods of time right and um because technology has made it so much cheaper to do these things, you get these amazing professional um, pieces of content that would have been way too expensive to produce as an individual or as um, you know a very small studio uh, only a few years ago. And so, while you while we may be headed towards a future where there are fewer blockbusters, we're also headed towards a future where there's still a lot more media because there's so many more people who can who have the resources to create things. So, um, and and they get to take advantage of the internet's distribution ability and the cheapness of it. And things like um, BitTorrent, which make it very easy to distribute these things uh, for practically no cost because everybody's sharing their bandwidth with you instead of you paying some centralized service to distribute it for you, right? Um, it, it's <laughs> it's an, it's an indis- interesting and uh, disruptive media future that we're headed for. Uh, and we really are... It feels like we're over it because we saw what happened to the music industry, but we're really still in the middle and probably at the beginning of it. Yeah, it's very true. And um, I I think, uh, like you said, the maker community is going to play a big part in it as well because um, we saw – you can see it in music because so much of the sound uh, equipment, like the mics we're using tonight are – are affordable prices now for folks and um the same is happening with like film equipment right so it's gonna be like an entire shift i think into what we see and then unfortunately we're probably going to go through a period if we're not in it already where um in order to to distract from the maker community the bigger corporations have to sort of jump the shark and look, uh, we're doing 3D and, you know, like all these, we're going to go back to that period where there was like um, buzzers under your seat and things like that to try <laughs> to get people back into theaters and spending their money Watch there. Watch it in the D-Box. <laughs> oh, no, not the D-Box. <laughs> I, I would yeah. sit in the D-Box if it was just like a guy next to me like from a frat house going, dude, this movie's totally cool, man. <laughs> Check it out. I snuck a beer in, man. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Don't open it so loud. They'll see us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
So yeah, definitely uh, follow uh, Tony. He is uh, again at Tone Def. Uh, he just posted a picture of the paint job that he referenced earlier. Sweet. Of his painted uh, Game Boy. It looks pretty cool. Um, and um, I actually I had a note in a previous show that I never discussed. Um, just when I thought uh, Paul and I would be uh, talking amongst ourselves, I my subwoofer, I stupidly, and I probably discussed that before, shipped it to Canada. And, of course, in shipping, it did not survive very well. Ah. <laughs> um, it took a knock, and I thought, oh, well. Um, but then also I bought a new receiver, and the two don't communicate very well. And Oh, interesting. Uh, then when I Googled it, a lot of the people in like audiophile forums were saying, "Oh yeah, that subwoofer is notorious for having like a really bad crossover." And so my mm-hmm. receiver is saying, "I'm going to send you the base signal when it gets you know this low of a frequency." And my subwoofer is like, "I'm going to take it when it's this low," and it's just not. The two of them are uh, not interesting. Wrong. So it does a lot of like wobbling and clicking and. And because it's one of these uh, subwoofers that will auto-detect if it needs to be on or not, I think this is also part of the problem. And so I actually read online, like, if I truly want to fix it, then I just need to find um, find uh, one or two or there's three possible problems, um, and I can uh, resolder in a new uh what is it? It's not a transformer. What is it that uh, we were discussing once before about our mics and soundboards? A capacitor. Yeah, yep. Um, there's three capacitors that could be a problem. Um, and then as I read on further, people are like, eh, good luck finding like a capacitor. You might be able to find one online that's the right, uh, what you need, voltage and whatnot. And mm. so... Instead of looking, because shipping is so expensive, <laughs> um, I started looking at other solutions, and I found a website um, where I can buy like an entire new board for the inside of my subwoofer, and it's not the same brand, um, so I'm not replacing OEM. But guess what? I already have the box. I already have the speaker. And essentially, there's just one, you know, two wires from the speaker going to this amp so that's all you really need is a new amp and um so so that's a project i'm gonna take on and maybe a month or so after i get some more paychecks in uh, from (laughs) work um but yeah i found this site i'll have to um google it because like i said i had this in show notes for another show but he made me think of it because it's an electrical project that i plan on doing but uh yeah i'm just gonna since i have to you know take it apart Actually, I had the amp out, and I took a picture of it uh, on Instagram because that's what I do. But uh, (laughs) I had the amp just looking for any sort of damage out. And so since I have to take it out and put a new one in, um, I'm just going to reseal it again because, like I said, it took a knock, and there's it looks like it's not completely sealed now, so I'm getting some air escaping. Mm, Okay. Um, But, yeah, and then as I was looking at the site, like they have parts for – you know, and then I read like a couple of people are like, you know what, for the amount of money that you pay for a subwoofer these days, like you could build your own for less money or, you know, 
maybe the same amount, but you'll get a product that you know works. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so I thought that's an interesting uh, idea. So I'm definitely, I've got an amp picked out. I just have to order it. <laughs> Sweet. And uh, mine mounts in sort of in a different direction, but I'm just going to leave the old amp in there to keep the hole sealed and cut a new hole in. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's a big yeah. empty box for those subwoofers. Oh, right, so. exactly. <laughs> so I'm pretty geeked uh, about doing that project. It should be fairly easy. Cool. That'll be fun. Yeah, especially if it works. <laughs> yes, especially if it works. Yeah. The neighbors below will love it. <laughs> my uh my next project, I'm I'm still planning it out. In fact, I'm learning how to use uh, Google SketchUp in order to give myself an idea of how how I'm going to build it. Um but what I'm tr- what I want to do is I want to build a um I want to build a desk slash countertop type of uh, space for my office that goes the whole the whole length of the back wall. So you can you can actually picture this now since you've been here. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to reorganize hopefully the entire office so that that um, the back wall or I should say the outside wall that doesn't have a window on it um, is going to have a desk that runs the entire length of it. And that way I will have hopefully enough space for the uh, audio gear that I am amassing, uh, as well as the various computers that I need to make it work, um, (laughs) (laughs) to make it, to make something like tonight's, uh, tonight's show possible where I've got two Skype channels running and, um, and I think we're going to go for three Skype channels in a, on a future show, either, uh, Montreal sauce or, uh, film frown. So, um, I actually just today received the, um, they have these, uh, kind of rack mount, I'll call it a rack mount kickstand for lack of a better term. It's not like a full on rack mount box. It's just like basically, um, two posts that have rack mount screws on them and then a, and then like footers so that you can, so that you can mount like five or six units worth of rack mounted gear onto this kind of fairly small thing. They're really kind of intended to be like uh gig kits. So if you were a, if you were a, a band and you had to pack all your equipment up in a van or something like that, you could have, you could have a couple of these and they could come on stage with you, but you could keep all everything in that rack all hooked together. So um that's where my, uh, microphone preamp is going to go is into that. And then I've got a couple other pieces of rack mounted equipment in here that are not podcast related at the moment, but probably will be eventually. Um, and so that's going to help kind of consolidate things and reorganize the office and hopefully make it so that, um, it's a little bit more sane and not so, um, storage E in here. <laughs> So that's going to be my that's going to be my big project. I'm kind of hoping to get started on it this weekend, but um we have other home projects that also need to uh see some progress made before I get started on that. So um have a look at it, it, uh you probably, you know, it is your home and you probably want to design something for your space, but uh definitely check out opendesk.cc. Um my wife's cousin 
um, both of her cousins actually, they have a, a, a business together and um, they're designers um, and uh, interior designers. And I went to visit their office in Calgary uh, recently when I was there and um, they had this gorgeous desk. And I was like, wow, that thing is amazing. And um, she said, well, you know, um, her uh, her man made it for her. And it <laughs> turns out that it's this opendesk.cc and there's a couple different designs on there. And basically it, it's kind of like Thingverse for woodworking and CNC stuff. So so you can look at desks and tables and storage kind of things at open desk and then you get the plans and then you can just like take them to somewhere that you might know that works with uh CNC wood and stuff like that and you can get the pieces cut out then just bring it home and put it together glue it together whatever cool but cool the, i will look into that for sure but the desk that they had, it's like the one on the home page. It was it was huge, like probably bigger than what <laughs> you need, but it was gorgeous. I mean they they yeah. have it right in the center of their space and like I think three or four of them work at it, you know, so yeah. instead of cubicles. Yeah. Um but it was a great thing and I when I talked to him about it later, he was like, Yeah, that particular design, it's all just like slide the pieces together, right? Because it was cut on a machine. Sure. So you yeah. just slide the pieces together and he's like, put a little glue in there and you're done. Like <laughs> sweet. I was like, Wow, that's cool. And I was checking out the site uh before and I was like, they have a lot of really great stuff on there. So Very cool. I was just like, who do I know that has that machine? That's the difficult part. But even the website, the website will tell you like, well, it tells you like, I think who made stuff, but I don't think at first I was like, does it tell me where I can go? And it has a map and it shows things. But I think the map just shows like people who have already made a desk. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah, check that out since uh, that's uh, your project and listeners Will do, for sure. Cool. Well, uh, we're at the magic mark. It'll be fun to cut this one in half, probably. Yeah, this will be this will be a good one. I was kind of thinking um, at the uh, this is this is your life or a voice from the past would be a good spot to split it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, cool. yeah, that would be fun because um, then we can start it with a mystery guest. Yeah, so. nice. <laughs> but yeah, uh, always producing, always producing, always be, always be producing. <laughs> ABP. Um, my, I was gonna say we should uh, one more time, at least on oh, the live feed, um, yeah. promote the t-shirt. Um, so yeah, cottonbureau.com, Go get the t-shirt. Uh, it will be up until the twenty fifth, and then it will be getting printed and shipped. Um, so yeah, go there. I don't think we're going to, I, I'm not sure if we will have any extras to sell or give away beyond that, beyond that point. We might know more, uh, at the next recording, but, um, yeah, cottonbureau.com. We're seeing some pretty great sales of it. I, I, I thought we I thought we would uh, have a hard time getting to twelve, and we were going to have to buy some just to get them printed, and uh, that obviously is not the case. So uh, I'm super happy about that. And if we get to twenty five, 
then we will uh, make a little money on it, which would be lovely. So, and That's thank true. you to everybody who has bought one already, by the way. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, never fear, I do believe uh, there's no sort of dastardly rules on Cotton Bureau. So that design <laughs> is with us so that we can take it somewhere else to get it printed if uh, if need be. So, yeah. Um, yep. So there's that. But yeah, it'd be really fun to uh, to get a little money back to put into the show because I'm sure that's what we'll do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So um, so that we can, uh, you know, pay a guest to come on. <laughs> there you go. And buy a sure. sponsorship on a different podcast to promote our podcast. Ooh, that's <laughs> that, I like this plan. What would you focus on? A cooking show? <laughs> uh yeah. All right. I was gonna yeah, go for it. It's time for the sign off uh Dealy Bob, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think it's a good time. So uh, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, among other places, but uh, I am on Twitter at Paul D, P-A-U-L-D. Ooh, I like that. Maybe since he spelled this time, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I forgot to check if there really is a sick days without the extra K. It's not an extra K. That makes it sound really bad. Right. Um, I am uh, <laughs> I am kind of a big deal. That's why people special are buying K. the t-shirt. It's a special K. <laughs> uh, I am at sick days on the Twitters and the Instagrams and things like that. It's called branding. I try. That's um, S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S. And uh, you should totally follow me and talk to me because uh, I get lonely. So, uh, but maybe you already are, and that's why you're listening, and that's why you bought the tea. Because, as Paul knows, I'm kind of a big deal. That's so, true. I have many leather-bound books. <laughs> <laughs> my I don't my office reeks of mahogany. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good work, pop filter. Um, okay. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, that uh, concludes the show for this evening. And uh, now we'll cue the exit music, which is me on a kazoo. Wait, it's not in the drawer like I expected it to be. <laughs> Lucky for you. There you go. Instead, I will just sing Buckner and Garcia's famous song, Pac-Man Fever. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. And go. <laughs> uh, I got a pocket full of quarters and I'm headed to the arcade hey I do know the lyrics to this song <laughs> nice alright here comes uh, here comes the milk carton kids and then I will take us offline bye <laughs> <laughs>